released a cryptocurrency crime report every single year. Cryptocurrency scams are the number one form of cryptocurrency crime really nearly every single year. This year, they've actually seen a, a drop because we're in a bear market. That'll pick up again in a bull market. In the bull market, they're very active. Some of the biggest scams in history have been crypto-related. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Voice of Crypto. We're coming in live from Token 2049 Singapore, and we have with us a really interesting guest. Uh, we have Derek from Chainalysis. Hi, Eric. How are you doing on this fine afternoon? I'm uh, doing fantastic. Really happy to be here. Can you talk a little bit about your role at Chainalysis, what uh, your firm is doing at the moment, and how you're trying to integrate blockchain better? Yeah, absolutely. So in terms of well, in terms of myself, my name is Dietrich Van Wersch. I'm the International Director for Crypto and Web3 at Chainalysis. So Chainalysis is the leading blockchain analytics firm. So what we do is we offer compliance, investigatory, and business growth solutions to various players in the industry, be they law enforcement agencies, financial institutions, and of course, cryptocurrency businesses who are very widely represented here. Uh, I've been at the company for five and a half years. Makes me a bit of a dinosaur in cryptocurrency terms. I uh, moved to Singapore two and a half months ago because we see tremendous potential in the in the APAC region. And yeah, we at Chainalysis, uh, we're, we're really looking to service all players in the ecosystem, ensuring that there is a safe, open, and fair blockchain. Absolutely. I was reading a recent chain analysis report that came out just yesterday. It spoke about how India and a few other countries are working at grassroots level for uh, crypto adoption. Do you see uh, a potential in these nations? And if so, how and uh, how would you be targeting these uh, landscapes? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, this is coming from our Global Cryptocurrency Adoption Index report. So every single year, what we do is we look at, we, we sit at Chainalysis on a huge amount of raw blockchain data, and more than anybody else really in this industry. And we take that data and we are able to look per country at what the rate of adoption is. So we don't just look at how many transactions are being received per cent in each country. We also weigh that against the purchasing power in the country. And by there, we can get a very accurate picture of how widestream, how mainstream is the usage of cryptocurrencies? So what we find that's really exciting is that uh, the, the, the countries that dominate the top 20s, they aren't the, the big economic powerhouses you'd expect. The number one country in the world is India. But also in that top 20, we see countries like Turkey, Nigeria, Vietnam, Indonesia, Philippines, Thailand, a lot of countries from this region right here. And what they have in common is that they are lower middle income countries. So the reason I find this encouraging and a positive overall development for cryptocurrency is uh, a lot of countries like, let's say, Pakistan, uh, you see people using cryptocurrency as a hedge against inflation, which was one of the original visions behind the Bitcoin blockchain was uh, a, a means by which people could safeguard their assets independent of the whims of any centralized government. So to see that cryptocurrency really is helping to bank the unbanked, cryptocurrency is really uh, allowing individuals in some of these more economically volatile countries to have a means by which they can safeguard their assets and not just you know a purely speculative asset where they can make a quick buck. I think that bodes very well for the overall uh, adoption or the overall success of this industry and, and crypto as an asset class. And it's worth noting that these lower middle income countries, our report tells us these are the only countries where the rate of adoption is actually remaining very steady and it's on the rise. Absolutely. So while adoption in developing nations, lower uh, income countries is pretty decent, uh, if we talk about uh, education or how aware people are about the funds, how they should be investing, uh, are they even aware about uh, the tax regimes of the, of the particular nation? Uh, how far do you think are enterprises from true education? in these countries and uh, are there any measures or means in which enterprises can take this up? 
So how enterprises can become more educated on the crypto How space. they can uh, give how how they can make people more educated when when they onboard uh, user base. Hmm. How they can make people more educated. Yeah, so I think what we have seen in the, uh, in the past four or five years is cryptocurrency really start to enter the mainstream consciousness. Uh, mm-hmm. It used to be an asset class that was really only interesting to esoteric enthusiasts. But now I know like people are telling me my grandmother's investing in cryptocurrency. <laughs> people that uh, you know I would never have thought would be interested in an asset class like this one or wanting to get involved. And one thing we've seen is with the rise of NFTs and other Web3 examples is even people who aren't really interested in investing as an asset class, they're getting exposed to crypto because NFTs are really are interesting for people who work in the arts, people that work in media, media, people that work in sports. So we're seeing crypto enter the mainstream consciousness. But yes, you were right. There needs to be uh, more education in this space. And that's something we at Chainalysis, we take very seriously. We have a uh, online online uh, training platform. We call it the Chainalysis Academy, where anybody can go on, uh, log in, and really be, be met with a whole array of materials on cryptocurrency fundamentals, cryptocurrency basics. Uh, and part of the reason we do that is because this is often a very misunderstood space. And if you don't, when you invest in crypto, if you don't know what you're getting involved in, it's very easy to become uh, susceptible to scams. So our own data tells us we release a cryptocurrency crime report every single year. Cryptocurrency scams are the number one form of cryptocurrency crime really nearly every single year. This year, they've actually seen a, a drop because we're in a bear market. That'll pick up again in a bull market. In the bull market, they're very active. Some of the biggest scams in history have been crypto-related. And uh, what, what individuals need to do is they need to have better awareness about what the attributes of a scam are. The good news is that with our own data analysis and with all the work we do with law enforcement, they're able to help highlight scams to us. And then when an exchange works with us, if one of their users wants to send funds to a scam, we can flag it up for them. But we do see it as very incumbent upon us as chain analysis to help work with regulators, FIs, law enforcement, cryptocurrency businesses to help increase the rate of education in this industry to make sure that uh, when people invest, they're investing wisely. Absolutely. If we talk about regulations, compliance, that's sort of been a tricky arena for most veteran entrepreneurs to navigate. So what, what would be your top pieces of advice for Web3 entrepreneurs when they're um, navigating their way through regulations or compliance, especially in developing nations like uh, India, for instance, while there is a bit of talk around blockchain technology and cryptocurrencies, which also happened at the G20 start summit, there's, uh, there's the Mika that came up in Europe. However, there are there's no clearer regulations and uh, a technology that is as decentralized as blockchain would need uh, more global level discussions in terms of governments getting together. How far do you think we are from uh, those discussions and how do you think web entrepreneurs can better navigate this uh, landscape? Yeah, well, I'll make clear, I'm not here to give advice on any Web3 entrepreneurs on how they should be navigating the landscape. All I can say is what we are seeing in this industry a little bit. What we're seeing is, you mentioned the regulation piece. Regulators are starting to take cryptocurrency far more seriously. We're seeing uh, a lot of public-private partnership. So take Mika, for example, in EMEA. Uh, that, has, that, that, I think, is a tremendous step forward when it comes to regulation. And I know I speak to cryptocurrency businesses across the world. And what a lot of the founders I speak to say that they're looking for is just an ability to, to uh, stability is what they want. They want to know that, hey, if I set up a business right now, 
I don't want that one year later the regulations are going to completely change. So uh, regimes like Mika are actually being met quite positively by a lot of the industry. And uh, we at Chainalysis, we are working extensively. We're, we work very closely with regulators and help give them guidance on legislation. You mentioned the fact that the blockchain is decentralized. I think the fact that the blockchain is decentralized is in fact a tremendously powerful tool for combating money laundering and in many ways making regulation much easier. Because of the decentralized nature of the blockchain, because the fact that everything is on a public ledger, when criminals act in the blockchain, it's using software like Chainalysis, it can be very easy for us to trace where those illicit funds are going to. And I think a lot of regulators are now becoming aware of how powerful a tool they have with forensic solutions like Chainalysis. So we are working heavily, heavily with regulators, and we're working, of course, heavily with cryptocurrency businesses to ensure that they remain uh, that they remain compliant. Um, but overall, I think the fact that regulators are entering into this space and taking it seriously is a good sign for this ecosystem. Even here in Singapore, we're seeing Project Guardian, in which the regulators are actually working with with uh, financial institutions in the country to discuss different tokenization and other projects. And it shows how, how far this industry has come, because a few years ago, no regulator wanted anything to do with crypto, and there was almost a sense that they hoped it would go away. Do you have any uh, closing thoughts before we wrap up the interview? Uh, closing thoughts. All I can say is I keep hearing how we're in a bear market, but if I look around me at this conference, uh, it, it certainly doesn't feel that way, right? So I'm seeing uh, tens of thousands, of, or at least thousands of people here, hundreds of cryptocurrency businesses, people really interested in this space, wanting to get involved. I'm sure an event of this nature would have looked anything close to like this five years ago. So I think that shows how far we've come at it as, as an industry. And if this is what it looks like in a, in a bear market, I can only imagine how big it will be in a bull. So uh, I'm really, really excited for what's in store for the industry. Absolutely. And finally, uh, while the evolution continues, how do you envision the future for uh, emerging technologies like blockchain? Do you think that the idea of battery will uh, take off as we think it would? Yeah, I mean, look, making predictions in cryptocurrency is very perilous. So I will, uh, I, I will, I will say, take everything I'm saying with a grain of salt. I could be wrong, but I see, um, I do see Web three becoming more and more mainstream. I think the fact that we're even discussing terms like Web three in a, you know, more in a mainstream parlance is already a sign of, uh, of the development this industry has had. I think we can see more and more traditional businesses looking at decentralization, looking at offering their own services on the blockchain. We saw recently PayPal, they're offering a stable coin. Uh, we saw that two out of the four uh, major Australian banks, they're offering stable coins as well. And I think we're only really scratching the surface of everything that's possible with a decentralized public ledger. I know we at Chainalysis, we just launched a new service that you know traditionally focused heavily on the compliance and investigatory side. Now we're looking at how can we take blockchain data for business growth. So we launched Chainalysis Playbook, which for which, I'll give you an example, if a business accepts a Bitcoin from a user, they can then see how much crypto that user has in their wallet. Are they interacting with any of our competitors? And is there a way that we can use this, the, the blockchain data, to identify large cryptocurrency users that we can, um, that we can you know, steal away from our competitors mm -hmm. or that we can uh, target with specific, specific marketing campaigns. That's just one new use case we have with this decentralized public ledger. And I think we're only scratching the surface of what's possible. So I'm really excited to see what this industry has in store us for five next five to 10 years. As always, I'm sure it'll be a roller coaster, but mm -hmm. I wouldn't be here if I wasn't optimistic. Absolutely. Uh, we're all optimistic about the future of Web3, and that was a great chat with you, Derek. Thank you for speaking with us. Perfect. Thank you so much, Ronnie.